Stronger than the wonder working power. 
Wonderful. Thank you, Nyla. Praise the Lord. Really, really enjoyed that song. That was wonderful. That blessed my soul. I hope it did yours too. Praise the Lord Jesus. Listening to the song, I feel the pull. Yeah, sing it. Keep singing it. <laughs> amen. I see it. Feel the pull. And, uh, I mean, I felt that pull, amen, while she was singing. Amen. At night I lay in bed And I began to cry And my mind just fails to know Exactly why I can explain with tongue or pen the spirit's groaning deep within it must be gone here in my soul cause i feel the Control. 
I feel the pull. Lord, please come. Lord, please come and take control. I feel the pull. I trust that the Lord will keep pulling us with His word. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. Um, Jonas, you want to help us take up our offering? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks. Amen. As he's passing that, let's just stand to our feet. Are you ready for the word? Amen. So we're just going to sing every praises to our God as Brother Bob gets ready to come. Let's just sing that maybe once or twice. And he sung this one in a while, key of F. Key of F. <clears throat> every praise is to our God. Every word of worship in one accord. Every praise. Every praise. Oh, it's to our God. Sing hallelujah. God. 
Good to be back with you this afternoon. Um, as you know, Brother Aaron was supposed to be up here, but he, they were taking a little family vacation, so surprise. <laughs> um, they uh, went out, I think, I think they were in Oklahoma, right? Or Wyoming, thank you. They went to Wyoming for a little vacation, so that'll be a, a good time for them. Um, this afternoon, I, what, what that, a fantastic service this morning. I, I sure enjoyed the message that we Amen. Amen. But this afternoon, I want to uh, kind of maybe tie in some things and just speak from Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, verse 19 to 23. We'll just read those scriptures. Well, God, we're so grateful to be able to gather around your word once more, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we look into these things that you'll bless it, Lord. We know that many have needy hearts, Lord. Many, many are struggling, Lord, in this hour that we're living in. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll Amen. give us something to help those that are struggling, Lord, because Lord, we know what the prophet said, that we shouldn't be struggling. There's a reason that we should be able to rest. You've given us a recipe for rest and not for struggling, Lord. Help us to be able to just relax into it, Lord. Relax into what you promised and trust you the way that we ought to, Lord. Grant it now that you'll bless the service, we pray in your name. So if we read in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. You may be seated, the Lord has a blessing to the reading of the word. <clears throat> now, if, if we'll just um, maybe just leave your Bible open or bookmark it or something, that just, just meditate on those words. Where Paul is instructing the church, he's instructing to have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And, of course, we know we've been well taught that this uh, the, the type of, and, and shadows in the Old Testament of going from the outer court to the inner court into the Holy of Holies and what that means and what it represents that you go into the Holy of Holies and there that's typing that you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that God himself is coming to abide in you yes. and imparting you with his faith because it's his life and his person. And Paul says in verse 20, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. So we've got this, this afternoon, we've got a reason to draw near. We've got a reason to be bold. If there's anything that you have need of this afternoon, we've got a reason to hold fast. <clears throat> and really what I'm speaking to this afternoon is, is for those that are struggling. And Brother Random, he would constantly say in this message that I'm reading from, the inner, the inner veil, 
And if you hadn't studied that out, that would be a good message to really go and, and study out. They intervail that he's laying out one of the things he's laying out in that message that that uh, that I just want to take as a as a text to struggle no more because there's no reason for you to be struggling. And Brother Branham, in that message, he would say, he'd say, we're just in our infancy, talking about the church. Now, you think about this message now, if you really go and meditate over the message, the inner veil, and as you even are sitting here listening to me speak on these things, you're, you're going to hear that message different way, different, depending on where you are in your journey. It will mean something to you. Now, when Brother Branham, he's laying this out, he's saying we're just in our infancy. The church is just in its, in its infancy. Now, you think about wherever you are in your journey, if you're living in sin, that, that God is calling you into the holiest of holies. Call, he's calling you to go through the outer court, inner court, to the holy of holies. Now, if you're born again, though, if you're born again, he's calling you to a greater, to a greater oneness and greater fellowship with him. And that's what Brother Brandon, I believe, is speaking to when he says we're just in our infancy. We're rising. He said, don't worry. We can get all these fanatics and unbelievers out of the way. We'll move on up into perfection after a while, and you'll see signs and wonders. And he said, but we're just babies crawling. Just give us a little while here. I think that should give us all encouragement to know that we're not just standing still, that something's happening, something supernatural is happening, that we're moving on up. The more that you eat the word, the, the word in your life is getting greater and greater and deeper and deeper and higher and better all the time. Now, listen to the way Brother Branham said this. He said, the next thing, God will step in with higher miracles and greater things on greater planes. And as Jesus, when he was here on earth, the first coming of the Lord Jesus, it showed John the Baptist's miraculous death, then the miraculous of Jesus, then come in the healing of the sick and the discernment of the spirits, then on down into the raising of the dead, and from that on down to the earth and the heavens and everything declaring him, then the earth giving up its dead. Now, I wonder, if you listen, when you listen to that, that you can hear, you can hear uh, echoed in those, in those words three stages of a journey. Now, I, I, I really enjoy that message this morning. I, I remember... Luis talking about the, the mirror and looking into the mirror. I remember years ago uh, listening to a sermon that Brother Donnie Reagan preached. And he was talking about, he was preaching on looking into the mirror of God's word. And he compared it with looking through, at, through three stages as well. And, and what, what's happening as you keep looking into the mirror, you're looking, at, you're looking in the mirror when you're a sinner. You're looking when you're born again. You're looking when you, as you grow. You're looking, you keep looking. And as you look into the mirror, you, that face is changing because you're becoming more and more like Jesus. And you see your, your own self dropping away, and you see your own self fading away, and you're becoming, you're, becoming, you're becoming what? The Word expressed. Where the person that you used to be ain't there anymore. You've been transformed by the Word actually changing your life. And Brother Brandon would say, miraculous, miraculous, all the way along. See, just keep deeper and deeper and deeper to a climax. Now, you, you think, look at all these roadmaps that we have laid out for us in the Old Testament, the roadmap of Abraham's life, the three stages of Abraham's life, and the three stages of David's life, and the, and the journey that Ruth went on, and the journey that David, all these, all these different ones went on, and all of these came to a head when you could look at the life of Jesus, that Jesus' life is a roadmap that we can compare our own life to. 
three stages from baptism to complete death to self. He was baptized on the River Jordan. He went up on Mount Transfiguration, and he died in the Garden of Gethsemane to himself and went up on the, on the cross and gave up complete death to himself where he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't, they don't know what they do. And you can, look at, look, you can look at all these types and identify yourself with the same journey, the same thing that's going on. And, and you know, I, I, to think this afternoon that that's the purpose of this message, that we've got something different than what the world offers. We've got yes. something different than you, you go online and you listen to something that maybe Joel Osteen or Joseph Prince or any of those different ones that, you know, the preachers that, that get on the stage with their glass pulpits and so forth. And I'm not knocking them or the... Uh, but you know we don't. We've got something different than psychology and self-help. We we've got something that they can't offer. And what is that thing that we have that they can't offer? What we've got is the mystery, the complete mystery of redemption. Uh, I'm I'm talking about the 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 journey that I was just talking about. That where you can look into the Bible and identify your own life with a journey that these believers in the Old Testament and, and with the life of Jesus. You think, you think this morning the reason that we come to church sitting here, the reason really is because we want to see unveiled in our own life the mystery of redemption, the complete mystery of redemption. And so many of you, you know, you're sitting here and you're listening, you're hungering, and you're, you're, you're hanging on every word because what you're, you're wanting that culmination of our faith, the revelation of the seven seals to be revealed in your life, which reveals to you that reveals to you the full mystery of redemption. Oh, to think now, I, I, I can go back in my own life and remember 20 years ago, you know, you come and, and you sit in church and you don't understand any things. But I, one thing I did understand was that Brother Dale had understood what the seven seals were. And, you know, sitting here this today, maybe there's a lot of things that you struggle with and you, you kind of battle with. But I tell you one thing that we're all hungry for is the seven seals. And that's one thing that this message has to offer that nobody else has to offer, that God himself came down with a shout and the voice and the trump of a mighty angel. He came down, just like Thessalonians said, he came down to get to deliver to you the mystery of the seven seal book of redemption. Now, when you can look into the book and see your own life, to see yourself identified, yes. then you know, yes. then you know it's real. Yes. God has given us everything we need for the journey if we'll just accept it. Yes. Now, you go, let's go back, let's go back to the, to the very foundation of the journey. And Brother Bram was preaching in the message to Intervale. He said, he said a few nights ago, and this whole message he's preaching on this little girl in the hospital, he said a few nights ago, I was called to an emergency call of a young lady dying at the Clark County Memorial Hospital. She was 19 or 20 years old, and she had a four-month baby that has adults career between, between the lines and understand. She had a four-month baby, this little 19 or 20 years old girl. And she said, she, she made this statement to Brother Brown. She said, Brother Brown, I tell you, said, I still love the Lord Jesus, but said, I find it so hard to serve him. Now, you think about a statement this morning. Now, as Brother, Brother Luis was preaching this morning about looking into the Word and seeing, seeing what, how we are. And, you know, sometimes you look into the Word and, you, and you'll, you'll keep maybe, maybe this afternoon you look into the Word and you don't get a good response back. Maybe you look into the Word and you get a response back that shows that you ain't where you need to be. And, and that's what the predicament of this little girl laying in this hospital bed, 19 or 20 years old, that, that's where she found herself that she was not where she needed to be. And she ended up with this four-month baby. You know, sometimes the devil will get you into a state where you look at your life and you say, I wish I'd made other decisions. I, made, I wish I'd gone down another road. 
Well, now you find yourself in this situation. Oh, that's what grace is for. Grace, grace can, grace can fix your problems. All the pro, all the situation that you've got yourself into, all the bad financial decisions, and oh, you just turn it over to God. And if you really yield yourself to God, and not just some kind of a plaything, but really turn yourself over to God, oh, you think. All those times that people would come up in the prayer line, and before they would be healed, Brother Brandon would ask them, he said, are, are you going to give your life to Jesus? And now, that's what Jesus wants. He's, he wants to, you to give your life to him. Yeah. If you'll give your life to him, then, then he'll give you everything that you have need of. He promised he would be your provider. If you'll give everything to him, then he'll, he'll bankrupt heaven before he'll let any of his promises Go uh, the check bounce. Now, now this little sister in the hospital saying, I find it so hard to serve him. I wonder this afternoon, of course, you know, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. You just just let the word echo in your heart. Is, is that the situation that you find yourself in this afternoon, that you find it hard to serve him? Because it's not supposed to be hard to be a Christian. It's, it, 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 isn't that a perplexing thing to say? There's hard things about being a Christian. You'll go, you'll go maybe to Walmart or somebody, and people will laugh at you before because of the way that you dress. Or you'll go to school, and your friends will bully and things like that. That's not pleasant. But now the cross has got padding on. If you're if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it's it's, it's a padded cross, Brother Ram would say. In other words, you're not supposed to be constantly going in and out. And, and what is it? It's the problem is our desire needs to be changed. You're, if you're desiring for the things of the world, and you go to a camp meeting and, and and maybe you get you get a little fire in you and you start, I'm really going to be a Christian now. But then you go home and or, or maybe maybe some evangelist comes through even this church and you're sitting here listening to it and you get real enthused. But then you go home and your desire is still the same. And that desire keeps pulling you back to the things that you thought you had escaped from. See, that's that's the struggle that should not be there. That struggle shouldn't be there. I, I believe this afternoon that we're preaching about a God that can change your desires to where where first you didn't want to come to church, but now now a real born-again Christian is going to want a church, which is why sometimes it's so, you know, you find preachers really preaching on coming to church because that is an identification that if you don't want the Word, if you don't want to be around believers, where is your desire? If you'd rather be around grandma, grandpa at home and, and people that don't want to come to church and having birthday parties on Sunday and things, well, what's your desire? And I, I know that's straight talk this afternoon. I, I know maybe that wounds you, but like Luis was preaching on this morning, maybe, maybe we need to be wounded sometimes. Maybe, maybe sometimes we need somebody to yell at us so that we'll get out of the road before the truck comes and hits us. I'd rather somebody to yell at me to get out of the road than, than to go my whole life and find up like this little sister, this little lady did on her bed in the hospital and wound up, Brother Brown said her soul come up and she began to realize at the end of the journey, the condition that she was in. I'd rather realize it now wouldn't you and I wouldn't wouldn't you <clears throat> now brother Brown said now that is what I find around most Christian lives the most people think about this the most people that can profess Christianity they seem to have such a hard struggling time to hold on now that's a statement isn't it most people most you think you'd say some people but he said most people most people oh I believe it's because of a lack of correct teaching of the Bible. He said, there's no such a thing as holding on. He done the holding on. Now, see, if you're, if you're struggling this afternoon, 
if you're hanging on with your fingertips, you're on the ledge and your fingertips are turning to white and, and you're just struggling to just hang on. I don't want to go back into the cussing and I don't want to go back into looking at stuff I shouldn't. And I don't want to. And you're just struggling. Then you're you, something's wrong. You're, you're doing it wrong because God is calling us to a place of rest. He's calling us into the holy of holies where you don't struggle anymore. There's no more struggle to a Christian. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Like I said, there's hard things that you must endure as being a Christian. There's things that you go through in life, people saying hurtful things to you and so forth and all uh, on and on. But the whole Christian principle is based on rest. You're resting if you're a Christian. You ain't struggling. So if you're struggling this afternoon, let it prick you in your heart that there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with your experience, and you've got to make it right. You've got to make it right if you want to be right with God because you can't struggle. You can't struggle and be a Christian. In Matthew chapter 11, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. Rest unto rest, rest unto a mind that the devil has been bombarding and telling you you ain't worth nothing and you're just not of value to society, to your family. Oh, get in the Holy of Holies and shut yourself off and, and you'll get rest then. You'll get rest from all those darts that the devil's throwing at you because now you can have confidence in what the Word says. You have confidence in what the Word says because God has given you faith. He's given you His faith. Oh, there's something that you can battle the devil with. You're equipped then when you've got His faith. Then you, you can do battle. You, can, you, can, you have something to withstand everything that the devil throws at you because you believe. Well, to think about that promise, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To think about a promise like that. Now, that you, the, yoke, the yoke of Christianity, if you get yoked up with Christ, all those burdens and things that you've been carrying and, bur- and, and burdened out, the burdens of, tr- what, is, what, what, are, what is burdensome? The burdensome weight of trying to fulfill the law by yourself. You're just trying to do everything yourself. You're trying to do it by works, trying to work something up. Well, <coughs> trying, to, trying to make it happen on your own. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 and 2, it says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. In other words, you don't have to do anything for this promise. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to do anything to satisfy God. You don't have to do anything. It's by faith only. It's not by your works. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Why, why are you trying to work something up? Hearken diligently unto me. And eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. So this afternoon, we're, we're not preaching a legalistic message, a message where we have a bunch of rules that you've got to follow, you've got to dress a certain way, you've got to do all these certain things in order to be acceptable to God like that. But I'm preaching this afternoon a message where God will put his own life in you, and then that will change you, and that will be acceptable to God. It's not works first but it's faith first faith and how do you get faith by grace the grace of God extended to you that will send you preachers the preaching of the word so that it will begin to convict you and begin to mold your heart and soften up your heart and change your heart 
and change you and change you and change you until finally it changes you as we walk out of here. So we're not preaching an Armenian gospel. An Armenian gospel is where you, it's by works, by the things that you do, that you've got to do something. I'm not accepted by God this afternoon because of my adherence to a strict set of rules. I'm accepted by God. How do you please God? As we've been studying out in Hebrews 11, by faith. By faith, I'm pleasing to God. God looks at me to see whether I believe his word. And if I believe his word, that is acceptable to him. It's so acceptable to him that that Abraham's faith was counted for righteousness. God looked at Abraham's faith and counted it for righteousness. And won't he do the same thing for you tonight? That it's not by your works, but it's by your faith. If you believe God, believe the promise that he made, that he'll look at that and count it for righteousness. And he'll overlook your works. He'll overlook your problems in your life. All the wrongdoing you've done. And he'll overlook it just like he overlooked Abraham's. Just like he looked over, overlooked Ruth's past and Rahab's past and wiped it away with the Egyptians. He'll overlook it because he's looking at your faith. Oh, can't you see how simple it is to be a Christian? You don't have to work nothing up. You just believe what God had already done. It all goes back to the cross. That Christ died on the cross so that he would he would accomplish in his death everything that was necessary for you to have oneness with him. If we'll just look at Christ, Christ is the one that did the work. Christ is the one that's doing the work. It's all in Christ. That's why Paul could say in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead to myself. I've died to myself. Nevertheless, I live. How do I live? Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. It's not me doing the works anymore. It's not me trying to build something up. It's not me trying to force something, but it's the life of Christ in me that lives. And because I believe, he's put his own faith in me. He's put his own life in me. That's why Paul could say the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's why Brother Ram can say when you're justified, you're believing, and it will only work as long as you have faith. And you're sanctified and you're believing, but it will only work as long as you have faith. And you can lose, you can go away and, and lose your sanctification. You can lose your justification. You can lose that state because it will only work as long as you believe. But when God gives you his faith, it is permanent. It is a permanent gift. It's God's faith in you. And you can never lose his faith. You can never go back because he's, it will last as long as your faith will last. And when God gives you his faith, it's permanent. It's nothing that you do or what you can do. It's what God has done for you in Christ. Oh, this afternoon, if you're struggling, if you're struggling, won't you just put everything on Christ? If you're struggling with something, if you're struggling like all those things that Brother Luis listed out this morning. We make our list. Paul made his list. Paul was known for his list. He would list things out in Galatians, like Galatians chapter 5. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And the list goes on and on. But if your thing is not on the list that you're struggling with, oh, you know what you're struggling with. Oh, let these words echo in your heart and begin to convict you that there's, there's an antidote for whatever that thing is that you're struggling with. <coughs> 
Oh, it seems like lately I've been hearing so many preachers preach on, on people struggling with what the world is struggling, all this LGBT stuff. Oh, everybody seems to be struggling, talking about that, preaching about that. Listen, listen, it, there's no reason to wonder whether you're this or that or whether you're, you have, God can change the desire to be from this. To, he can make your desires be straightened up. You can't make yourself stop having desires. But God is able to change your desires. God is able to take an evil, corrupt desire for drunkenness or reveling or whatever it might be. And he can change your desire by the preaching of the gospel. Somebody said that, Brother Brown says, well, I'll tell you, I just quit this and I went to seeking God. I just, see, see how it's worded? I just quit this. I'm going to, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop of my own accord. What, What are they trying to do? Work, works. Work it up. And you don't come to God by works. I just quit this and I went to seeking God. And Brother Branham flipped it around on me. said, no, you don't understand. No man never sought God. Man don't seek God. God seeks man. In other words, there is nothing that you can do about it. There is nothing you can do about it. And Romans chapter 3 verse 11 says, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. There is nobody and, and their sinful condition that's going to be go running after God in a way that God can answer back. Right. And, and the Garden of Eden, when Adam got in his fix, he ran behind fig leaves and tried to cover himself up with a religious situation. Brother Adam said, Adam ought to have been running through the garden, hollering, Father, Father, where are you? But it was God going through the Garden of Eden saying, Adam, Adam, where art thou? And Adam hiding. That's the nature of man. It's the nature of man. It, in other words, you didn't have nothing about you don't have nothing about coming to God. There's, it, it, there's nothing that you did to draw yourself to God. God drawed you to Jesus. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing, no works that you can do. It's by faith. There's nothing that you can do in yourself to be pleasing to God. God, oh, when God called you, if you look back in your own personal experience, God called you. God called you and something began to, what was it, a deep call into the deep. It wasn't because the ministry called you or drew you. It wasn't because somebody conked you upside the head in the parking lot. That, that, that didn't save you. Like that story that Brother Ram likes to tell of the deacon that went up to, to, to Billy Paul and said, don't you need to be at the altar? But that wouldn't have saved him because you can't push it and work it up. It's God drawing you. No man can come except the Father drawing. God called you and you responded. God called you and what something began to stir out. I, I got to get to God. Something began to call and draw and whatever you did, however you responded, if you raised up your hands in the congregation or fell down at the altar or fell down at your knees beside the bed, it was because not because you were trying to work something up, but because you were responding to a God, yes. a God call. Yes. <coughs> Brother Bram said when man Man, when he fell from grace, his nature was changed, and he run from God and hid from God, and that's still his nature. A man can never seek God while he's a sinner. God has to seek man. And he said, if you only knew, sinner friend, that the people I've talked to that says, I don't believe in God, I have no time for it, I once tried it, there's no, I never did even desire it. And, and he said, I, God has given you the desire tonight. He's preaching to a people at the, there at the altar call. If God has given you the desire tonight to become a Christian, don't turn him away. Oh, I, I think one of the greatest gifts that there could be is that it, before you're even born again, is that little tug on your heart. I, I, I need something. There's something, yeah. something lacking in my life that I need something. 
an old, if there's something tugging in your heart this afternoon, drawing and pulling at you, don't don't turn it down. Don't grieve that Holy Spirit away. It's that don't grieve that holy hush away that's drawing and pulling at you, that's desiring to have fellowship with you. John chapter six verse forty four says, "No man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me, drawing." And I will raise him up at the last day. Now, what, what does draw mean? If you really look at the definition of that, <coughs> that word draw means to, to just drag off. It's metaphorical to, to draw by inward power. What is this? The Holy Ghost speaking to you to, to, to pull at you and to draw you to himself. In other words, we are totally dependent on God's initiative and reaching out to us. <coughs> Now, Brother Luis, the whole congregation's starting to fall asleep on me. So y'all, y'all help pull. Yeah, I, I tell you, it's, it's hard to preach on a congregation that don't look like they're interested. So it's, that's just humanity. You know, I, yeah, I, I know it kind of bothers y'all when ministers kind of harp on. It seems like we're harping on that. Y'all wake up and everything. But it, it is, that's, that's my humanity. It's hard, it's hard to preach somebody with their eyes going different directions and one eye open, one eye closed. And, and they're leaning up over on their shoulder and one, one eye on the wall, the head on the wall. <coughs> so y'all, maybe that's just something I got to overcome. But if it is, y'all just pray for me. We've all got things we got to overcome ourselves. But uh, it sure is easier to preach when you don't feel like you're swimming upstream. That's what I'll say. <laughs> brother Bram in the seven church ages, he said, my brother the other night receiving Christ, he said, don't ever push me, Bill, said, when God speaks to me, I said, you can't come until he calls you. Oh, God is good enough to knock at your heart tonight. And would you be foul enough to refuse him, he said. Think of it, that every person that comes on the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ is promised eternal life and the resurrection in the last day. Every person that comes on that invitation has a promise that you can lay claim to. That if you come, if he gives you that invitation, it's a promise that you'll have eternal life. So now, if, if God is calling you, we're not, we're not going to keep you away from responding. Oh. <laughs> If you try to just work it up and try to push it forward and, and say, well, I'm just going to pray or I'm going to go to church and I'm just going to try to make it work, that won't work. But if you respond to a call of God in your heart, it's going to work. Oh, if you can feel something supernatural churning in you like Brother Bram when he was preaching, looking to the unseen, he said, don't you feel that pulsating in your soul, something pulsating in you, something pulling at you, something uh, that's, that's the call of God in your life. And if God is calling, come to the altar, if God is calling, lift up your hands, if God is calling, open up your heart, if God is calling, kneel in prayer, nobody's going to stand in your way. When Brother Brown, <coughs> when Brother Brown was preaching the, the oneness of unity in, in Waterloo, Iowa, I, I saw uh, somebody was testifying about this on Facebook. It was actually, um, you know, Esther married Micah, and it was his mom testifying about this on Facebook. She said when he, when Brother Brown walked up from the, from the back of the building, he got to her uncle, and he put on his, his hand on his shoulder and said, the only thing wrong with you is you don't pray enough. Find yourself a closet somewhere. Now, to think now that that, that might be a lot of our problems sitting here tonight, that we just might not pray enough. To, you know, even after you're born again, God continues to He continues, certainly more than after you're born again. He keeps drawing and pulling at you. And maybe, maybe this afternoon, maybe you've put off praying and reading your Bible a long time. But if you'll just get alone with God, maybe, maybe this will stir you up to just really get alone with God. He, he even said, you might eat too much, you might drink too much. 
You might laugh too much. You might walk too much, but you'll never pray too much. Why? Why? Why do you need to pray? Not need to pray like works, like working something up. But you need to pray to have fellowship with God, so to get your mind in line with God and seal yourself off from the world and begin to think about what God's Word says and commune with Him. What kind of a Christian would we be if we just neglected communion with God? We neglect to getting along with God and just fellowshipping with him one-on-one and getting, getting a little bit of praise, getting a little bit of time where we can lift up our hands and worship just alone, alone in the shower, alone in the car with God and letting the tears run down our face. You see, you see why prayer is so important to a Christian, not something to work up now, not something to put before your faith and say, well, if you pray, then you can be a Christian. No, if you respond to the God call of God in your life and then start praying, then everything will work out all right. But don't neglect praying now. Now, <laughs> why? Because God, God is calling you into fellowship with him. He's calling you into a private life with him. He's calling you to an overcoming life, a life where you don't have to struggle. And you see what you do in prayer is you get, you, you get in struggles of life and, 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 and trials of life and people say hurtful things about you and things happen at work, the stresses of life, and you get in prayer and you just, what do you do? And you're just dumping it all on God and you're having a good talk with your daddy, having a good talk with your daddy like Billy Paul walked up on his daddy praying in his prayer closet and he said he said he could hear him in there crying out to papa god papa god because he had a relationship with him and what was he doing he was having fellowship with him in his prayer closet fellowship fellowship and with him communion with god and brother ram would say i find that people so struggle seems like i meet people and they say it's such a struggle and probably there's many sitting right before me now that has the ups and downs the ins and outs, this day they're all right. You meet them and, well, they love the Lord today and tomorrow. They're having such a struggle to hold on. The devil is so tempting them and they're having such ups and downs. Then you meet somebody that's on the hilltop all the time. Now, you think about that. Let's think about this for a second now. Brother, there's nothing bothers them at all. Now, you think about that, that statement. <clears throat> now, I can't help it. I can't help it that Brother Ram said you can come to a place where you don't struggle anymore. Now, now think about that. If you're in a struggle this afternoon, if you're struggling with your desires and your desires is pulling you, maybe, maybe you're sitting here right in church right now thinking, I wish I could go home so I could go watch some YouTube videos. I wish I could go home so I could cook something on the stove. I wish I could go home because your desire is not here, right here, listening to the word of God. And where, wherever your heart is, that's where your treasures are going to be laid up. That's, that's, now, now, if the word of God is a real treasure to you, that's where your heart is. That's, that's what you desire. Now, or to think about this, that in Ephesians chapter 1, he said, According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That, that's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to a place of holiness and to be without blame. To think now, look at, look at your journey. Look at the journey that God's taken us through. Full redemption of your soul and your spirit and your body. Yes. That your soul can be without blame and holy. Amen. That your spirit can be so lined up with God that Brother Adam said it's like a solar system. That the sun is at the middle. Your soul yes, is at the middle. And your senses are in perfect harmony around that thing on the center. Just like the, the solar system is. That your whole being can be in such harmony with the word of God. Until 
The devil don't know what to do with you. That he can throw something at you and you, your desire is so much for the word and you're so walking in the word. Now, now you, this, I know we, we struggle with this. We struggle with this in our mental faculty to think that God wants us to come to a place of such complete rest until there is no more struggle left. Now, now some of you, if you look back in your life, some of you struggle with drugs. Some of you struggle with drugs and taking drugs, and it might have been some bad drugs or it might have been some, some of the weak drugs. But you still struggle with drugs nonetheless. But you don't struggle with that no more, do you? Because God took the struggle away. He took it away, and you're not struggling with that anymore. Now, that's, what, that's, the kind, that's an example of the kind of rest that God wants. God is changing your life. He can change you. Some of you might have struggled with cigarettes, but not anymore. You might have struggled with this or that, but not anymore. Some of you, some of you might have even struggled with coming to church. Some of you might have struggled. Some of you might have still come, struggled with coming to church. But if you used to struggle with church and now you're in church, you don't struggle with that anymore. Amen. Oh, when you, when, when something really gets a hold of you in your heart and your desire changed and, and you want to be around the people of God, it's not a struggle to come to church. It's not a struggle. If you're struggling to come to church, then you're working. And you're working, you're not wrestling. If you're struggling to put away that cigarette, if you're struggling to walk down the aisle in the grocery store without going by the wine or the liquor aisle, then you're working. You're not resting. You're not working. You are, but, but a Christian is, a real Christian is not working. They are resting. That's what, after all that work that, that, uh, that Ruth went through, she, she, was, she was going behind all, all the men that worked for Boaz, picking up, bending over at the back and probably had uh, back trouble after the end of the day, picking up all that, working, 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 picking up the little gleaning, gleaning the sheaves, yeah. working, working, working. But finally, she found a place at Boaz's feet. And when she got at Boaz's feet and he threw over her the covering, then the, her work ceased. And what was she doing? She was sitting there on the threshing floor watching Boaz get up the next morning. And who went to work? Boaz went to work. Boaz went to work and Ruth stopped working because Ruth is at rest. Now, that's a type of you and I. We're not supposed to be working. We're not supposed to be struggling in and out, go to a camp meeting, get real fire on fire, come back to church and get real lackadaisical, can't even hardly keep our eyes open during service, don't really, don't really want to be there, get something we can check off our checkbox. Oh, but if your desire is changed, you want to be, oh, if your desire is right, then your worship will change, your attitude will change, your praise will change. If your desire is right, then you've got something to praise God about because, and I think, I think we've all got something something that we can praise about yes, God about to know that we're resting, that we're not working, that God wants us to rest, that it's not us, that it's Christ doing it. In Hebrews chapter four, Paul said, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. You have rested from your works, from struggling and trying to make it work and trying to force something. If you're struggling this afternoon, something is not right. If you're struggling, something ain't right. Now, Brother Brown will give an example of like a pipe that, you know, you, uh, if you've ever had water problems where, you know, uh, those of us with a lot of women in the house, the pipe gets all clogged with a lot of hair, and you got to get it unstopped. And if the pipe is clogged up, it just won't work. What, what's happening to water is, is struggling to get water from one place to the other. And that's the same thing with a lot of us in, in our spiritual experience. Our flus get clogged up. And we're struggling to get to get access to God, and struggling and trying to work something up, and 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 the and the pipe just ain't cl- it's clogged up. Wow. 
But <laughs> God can remove the struggle. In other words, he can remove the clog, the partial clog or the full clog, and open it up so that the Holy Spirit can run freely in your life. Now, isn't that what we all want this afternoon? That's why we come to church. <laughs> he said... In questions and answers, he said, like I said to a person, it's like an old stopped up pipe and you run a little wire through it and you get a hold of this wire and you zig, zig, zig. And there's a great flow of water trying to get through. Zig, zig, zig. You can't get it, but you know there's something up there. You can feel it. It's up on that end. Then after a while, here, give her a great big pull and he imitates the sound of rushing water goes through the pipe. That's the way it is. Then the water just keeps on coming. That's the way the Holy Spirit is. Sin stopped up the pipes. You sit back and say, I'm timid. You know, I couldn't say that. I'm afraid that people think I was a holy roller. See, now when you feel that little tugging of the Spirit, that's God drawing you. That's the Father. No man can come except the Father draw him. You feel that little tugging of the Spirit. You want it more than life. It more than You want more than your own life. It means more to you. I got to have it or die. The first thing you know, you get a hold of something. Like putting that little pot, you get a hold of it. You think, that's it, Lord. You pull the cork out. Here she comes, gone. Oh, my, free. I don't care if the President Eisenhower was sitting there. You say, glory to God. Now, you think about that that description there is the kind of liberty and kind of freedom and worship, kind of freedom and Christian life that God wants us to have. He don't want us to struggle to try to pump something up in the church service. He don't want us to struggle to try to live a Christian life. He wants the Holy Spirit to have such preeminence in our life until it's just gushing. It's just flowing everywhere. Isn't that what the statue of a perfect man is supposed to symbolize? That, that water just gushing out of the top. Flow. What's it doing? Pushing out all the weeds and all, all the trash and everything. Just flowing in you freely. Cause why? Cause you got a hold of something. Oh, you got You answered that tug that's drawing at your heart, and you responded to it. When God began to began to call at your heart, there's something in you that begin to respond. So let's get up. Let's get up to the hilltop, wherever that hilltop is in your journey right now. Let's get up to the top of that hilltop where it doesn't bother us anymore. <laughs> and why Christ speak? He said, "I'm so glad that a man can so completely serve God." Till the devil don't know what to do. Right. Just obey God so completely till the devil say, oh my, get away. I don't want to hear it no more. Yeah. That's right. And he said, you can do it so Amen. completely. Yes. You can do it. Hallelujah. You think this afternoon, see, that's what preachers are challenging, that idea that you can't do it. I can't do it, but you can do it. And God has given us the recipe to do it, to have, to have our body, our spirit, and our soul so completely in line with God until we're resting, resting completely in the redemptive promise. In the deity of Jesus Christ, he says, now, friends, I know this to be the truth. I know people don't realize who you are. Every person in here can live above sin, can live without sin, live in God. You'll make mistakes, but the blood of Christ will forgive you. It's by his grace. What is this I'm talking about? It's a promise of grace. I'm talking about measures of grace, overcoming grace to each one. That I'm looking out at a congregation of a lot of different people 
You all look different. Some have glasses on, some have, don't have glasses, some young or old, different colors, different backgrounds. But this promise is not a respecter of persons. Whoever, whosoever will, let him come. This promise, this promise of this kind of grace that you can live an overcoming life is to you no matter what your background is. And Brother Ram would say in grace, God has given to us all freely as we have need, everything that we have need of. He said, God doesn't respect persons. He wants all of his children to have the same. A righteous father wouldn't give a one a dish of ice cream without giving them all ice cream. Now, you think, you think about what that means. If you could look around the building this morning and see some living like, that, like what he quoted earlier in this message, some living without a struggle, that means you can live without a struggle too. Oh, if you could really grasp that, I, I, that's a promise to run after. If you can, if somebody's getting a blessing, then you can get a blessing too. If somebody's receiving healing in their body, then you can receive it too. Grace, that's God's gift of grace to you that he's not going to give it just to one without giving that same opportunity to everybody. God, God is not a respecter of persons. Brother Ram will say, did you know that that little cherry tree or little apple tree, when you set it out, when it's no bigger than about one half inch tall, that every bushel of apples that you'll ever collect off that tree is in it right then. The only thing that that little tree does, you just set it out and water it, and it has to drink and drink until it gets so much, it just goes to pushing up, drinks more than its allotted portion, and it swells out, and it pushes out limbs, it pushes out buds. It just keeps drinking, drinking, drinking till it just pushes out. And that's what the Christian does. It's all drinking, resting, peace. It's not what you struggle and strive and pull at. You defeat the very purpose that you're representing when you do that. When you struggle and strive, it's just rest. Oh, to think that you can be like that tree that David talked about, a tree planted by the rivers and water, that all you do is just guzzle up as much water as you can. And the more water you can guzzle up, the more you push out and push out until you're pushing out fruit, until you're pushing out a life that everybody can see on display. And that's what a real Christian does. Now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of background you got. It doesn't matter if you're a minister. It doesn't matter if you're a housewife. God is no respecter of persons. That grace is for all. God's not one you have to beg and cry and plead and fast and starve and everything like that to get to you. I thank God it's not by works. To think that if it was by works that we'd have to get our little rosary board out or something, yeah. that, that all the little beads out and tick through them and, and do something until, until the, like a priest was satisfied. Right. What if it was by prayer? What if it was by fasting and you had to fast a certain amount of times or a certain number of hours every week to be acceptable to God? Mm. But God's not, he's saying God ain't like that. Right. He's not one you've got to beg and cry and plead and fast and starve and everything like that to get to. Now, flip it around. That don't mean we don't believe in praying and fasting. Amen. We just don't believe in doing it from the works angle. But we believe by faith, by faith, you, you pray and you fast and you do things because God is drawing you. If God calls you to fast, then fast. If God, many times God will call, will call a minister to fast. Many, many of us ministers know about, you know, you just suddenly, you just lose your appetite. And you're just, well, I'm just not going to eat. And it's not because you're hungry. It's not because you're trying to work something up. It's just because you're, 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 you're preparing a sermon and God just calls you to fast in that moment. If God calls you to pray, pray. If God is pulling at your heart to pray, pray. But you're not praying because you're trying to work something up. You're praying because you want to enter into communion with God. And God is drawing you. God is pulling you. 
God will call you to it. You don't call yourself. God will call you. You don't do things by work. It's by grace. But if God calls you, you better go. Oh, listen now. If God is calling you to pray to, to a, better, a greater prayer life, then you better pray. If God is calling you to fast, then you better fast. You better respond. If God is calling you to give up your life, to give your life to him and, so that he can take, take, fill you and, and use you and do something with your life, you better respond. Because if you don't, what happens? Your, your soul, he said your soul begins to draw, just kind of pull back. And it's that, that thing that God gave you, desiring something, thirsting for something, begins to draw back. You're grieving away the Holy Spirit. Your soul begins to drop down until you won't, you won't realize the state you're in until you're on your deathbed. Right. Like this little sister that he was preaching about, this little young lady. When they're on her deathbed, her soul come up and she realized that she was lost. <clears throat> if God is calling to you to respond, respond. It's God calling you to an overcoming life. Now you think about those old Egyptian taskmasters that drove the people to do things that they were burdened to do. <clears throat> and after they looked back in the Red Sea... They found them every one drowned there. You, you think, you know, a man never knows what it is to live a victorious life until he's completely overcome. When you realize that you look back and you ain't struggling no more. That's why, that's why Miriam, when they got over on the other side, she could take up that tambourine and sing a new song, praise after the battle. She began to praise. That's why after the walls fell down, that Rahab on the wall with that sinful background, she looked to God's promise. And she, after the walls came down, she married into, the, into Judah. And what's, what's the banner of Judah? The banner of Judah is praise. Oh, she got her praise on then when she began to realize what God had done. She married into the house of praise. When she saw the walls coming down, all her past was erased. All her sin was gone. That's when you realize that you've truly overcome. <coughs> and Christ has equipped you to overcome. And let me ask you, let's just stop a little bit. I'm trying to teach this afternoon and not preach so much. What, what, are you, what are you really overcoming? Like Brother Luis was preaching on this morning. You're overcoming yourself. And I, see, that's what we, we get called up so many times. Is like Brother Luis was, I'm, I'm riffing on Brother Luis this morning, riffing off of that sermon. That he was, it's, we, so many times we get called up in what other people are doing. You know, I, I was sitting with, we went out to eat with, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to say the brother's name. We went out to eat with Brother Marcus Becker a while back. And one thing he really said just kind of stuck with me. He said, if you can, if you can understand yourself, it's about understanding yourself. It's not about understanding other people because you're trying to overcome yourself. So that's what we're trying to, when we come to church and we look into the mirror of God's word, we're trying to over, understand our problems. And, and that's, that's what the devil does. He'll put a veil over your eye where you don't even realize your own problems. Exactly what Brother Luis was saying this morning, that when you, if you're a cheater or a, or a liar or, a, you, you know, all the things that we could list out, the devil will cover your eyes over so you don't even realize that you're prideful, that you've got enmity. And, but the word, the gospel, that's what the gospel does, is it, it takes, that, takes that veil away from your eyes just like the coon grease that Brother Ram's mama used to put over his eyes to, so that he could see in the morning. It takes the, it opens up your eyes so that you can really see. You're, what, what we really see, need to see is that the biggest enemy that we have is ourself. It's not the person sitting next to us on the pew. It's not the minister behind the pulpit. Uh, the biggest enemy we have is ourself. And Christ has equipped us to overcome ourselves. To overcome what? Your reasoning. And your pride and your temper and your impatience 
and your lust and all those things that Paul might have listed out in the Bible. <clears throat> I mean, that's why in Revelation 11, 15, when the seventh trumpet sounded, there were great voices in heaven that said, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. So that's what, that's what the gospel is doing. That's what God is doing is he's taking all these little kingdoms that we have in our life of our pride and our temper and all these things, and he's tearing them down until he takes over. What's, he's taking things over. Yes. He's, it's a takeover. It's a gospel takeover that God has taken over your life until there's nothing left. But like you read in the book of Revelation where it says, it says that the books were open and the deeds were read, and they were judged, the, the foolish virgin and all the ones, the sinners that came to the throne, and they're judged by the deeds in their life. But you, that's written in the, name, in the Lamb's Book of Life, there's nothing written about you but your name. Your name. There's no deeds. There's no deeds because the deeds have been wiped away. There's nothing left, but you can identify yourself by you look in there and, and, and the book is open and there's a name, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and so forth and so on. And your name's written down, but no deeds. Only your names are written down because your, your life has been taken over by God. <laughs> or to think that one day all this sinful life will be completely left behind. It will be completely overcome. You know that the very first miracle that Jesus ever did was a testament to that. When he went and ended that marriage of Cana and he, 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 he uh, changed the water into wine. And Brother Bram said he proved in his first miracle turning water to wine and so forth, showing he bypassed the vine. He just spoke from water to wine. God just spoke it and bypassed all that. It would have went from wine up through the grapevine and then ferment and ferment and a vat and turn into wine. God just spoke it and bypassed all that. So will he in the resurrection. Of all the sexuals and marriage and things, it will all be done away with. God will just speak and will live again. God will just speak. Speak what? You'll hear the word and your body will be changed. Oh, to think that your body won't have to be born again. You won't have to take this body and put it back through, through an incubation, put it back through, come forth from a natural birth. But God will just take it, skip all that process, skip it, and just change your body. I'm trying to get to this little story. He's talking about this little woman that was laying there in the hospital. And I'm going, I'm going to be closing here in just a minute. He said there was a woman who belonged to a very prominent denominational church, lived close. We always doubted her experience. So if Brother Branham doubted somebody's experience, I take that as a right. When I look and see people not coming to church, not living right, I doubt their experience. He said, we always doubted her experience. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. You, you look and see people that, that their desire ain't right. They're, they're not living right. And Brother Bram said, and we're, you're not doing it out of a place of judgment, but you're doing it out of a place of concern. People are concerned. We're concerned about one another. He said she just reasoned that she was right. She moved to a new church and noticed the neighbor girls wearing disgraceful clothes. And she said, the other girls do it, so can I. The other girls do it. He said her faith in God was intellectual. It was reasoning. Your mind will reason, but your heart don't reason he said the very soul that was telling her it was wrong, it was she was grieving it away. Because she kept saying, they smoke cigarettes, so why can't, why can't she smoke? See, that's how the devil, the trap of the devil, you start looking at other people. You start looking at the world. 
you, young people, you start looking at your friends and you start getting off the path because you start thinking your mom and daddy don't know, they don't know what they're talking about. And, and I, what it is that, that the devil will put on you a spirit where you just want to be popular and you want to be accepted. Oh, but oh, to get in God and then you can have rest and be accepted, be a part of, be part of, uh, uh, able to live a holy, clean life. I, I, what a blessing to be able to live a clean life where you're not burdened down by all the things that the devil the devil will put on you. And he said a little slicker moved in the neighborhood with his hair slicked down. And every night before they go to bed, she'd slip out to take the things out of the backyard and he'd kiss her goodnight across the fence. And the first thing you know, she left John, her husband, and married this guy. The very soul that was telling her it was wrong, she was grieving it away. Oh, see, when your soul was echoed, something down on the inside, I shouldn't do this. Oh, that's, that's what I was talking about this morning. Listen, listen to that little still, small voice. Listen to that little voice. Sometimes, you know, it's, sometimes it's a real quiet voice. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a good example. We went, we went to the church there in South Carolina, and I went out in the parking lot to get something out of the car. And, uh, and I, I was going to reach for the door handle, and I just felt impressed. If you touch that door handle, the alarm's going to go off. <laughs> and I thought, that's strange. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and I opened the door. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> now, isn't that how the same thing in the spiritual? Now, if you, if, if you just listen to that voice, it'll get you out of trouble. <laughs> that little voice that's telling you, you better not do that. You're going to get in trouble. Now, I got myself in trouble because I didn't have the keys. My wife had the key, the key fob. So I, I was standing out there, and that thing was hump, bump, bump, bump. I had to go run back in church, worry about, you know, every, what everybody was saying, me going back in and out and get the key from my wife. If you listen to that little voice, then it'll save you a lot of trouble. Just listen to that little impression. You, you need to apologize to that brother. You shouldn't have done that. Don't go there. You, a friend will invite you to go to some some sleepover at their house or something like that, and you you've got that little tub, or maybe the parents. You got you better you better be careful about that. You better not do that. You better listen to those little things like that. Right. Pay heed to it. Right. <laughs> That's one thing I've learned as as the years go by. A lot of times, you know, you don't quite have confidence in that little voice, like. Mm. Maybe that's just me, but as the years go by, you had more and more confidence in that still, small voice that you need to take heed to it. I wish I would have listened to it before I opened that door. <coughs> and he said, when you say, he says, smoking cigarettes and drinking and carousing and running around is the very symptoms of sin. It's the attributes of your unbelief. And you do those things because you don't believe Jesus. It all goes back to faith. The reason that you don't, the reason that you do those things is because you you don't believe. And when you say you're a believer, and do do that, it shows there's something wrong. You don't believe. You're making out like you believe. Oh, you see why the fruits show what, what's really there. Yes. When you when you don't, you know the saying: uh, 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 if it walks like a duck and acts like a duck, it's a duck. Well, if it looks like a Christian, if it looks like it ain't a Christian, <laughs> thank you, brother. He said, "You're talking, taking reasonings, and not taking your soul's conviction, because your soul is the part of God that's in you, 
that will agree with God's word being true. If not, you'll just take our intellectual. Now, isn't that, you, it's going to take more, more than intellectual. I was like, looking online, I showed you all those artificial intelligence drawings that in my Sunday school lesson this morning. Artificial intelligence is getting, it, it's, it's really taken off if you're not paying attention to the news. And recently, there was the first, very first artificially intelligent, AI-generated church service. My point is it's going to take more than intellectual. If you go to one of these AI tools online, you can ask it a question, and it will spit back a very good, biblically sound answer. I, I mean, like, like it, you're talking to somebody that knows what they're talking about with scriptural references and tying things together in the Bible, and it will spit back as many paragraphs as you want. And it's, it's very advanced. Now, what they've done over there in England, they had a, a, a church service where they used this to, to just generate a church service. And then they had an artificial intelligence, like a, 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 a fake person up on a screen delivering a sermon. And all those people were listening to a sermon delivered by a computer. Now, you see, that's why it's going to take more than intellectual. It's got, it's got to take, it's, it's got to take the spirit, it's the spirit, well, they, what they said when they were listening to that, they said it was lacking heart, it was lacking some kind of, something real, because it was spitting out just reams of text, but there was something lacking. It's, it's got to take, it's got to take something more than intellectual to make this message live. It's got to be lived. It's got to be, it's got to be a life on display where it's walking and talking and God, God is using your life and using your lips and using your feet and using your, your body. Not something that you can just read off of the page and say how much you know. (laughs) And Brother Brown would say, of course, see, see this, that's what this woman's problem was. She was looking at it from an intellectual perspective thinking, well, I, I like the Bible. Uh, and, and the devils, the devil in the old, in the new Testament said they, 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 uh, you know, knew who Jesus was and they uh, said thou art the son of God and all those kind of things. It's got to be more than just intellectual. Brother Ram said, of course, with that little slicker, she ought to have had brains enough to know if he would run away from one, one, wife, one wife, he would do another one. So that's what he done. She'd say, I belong to church. My letter is in the church. I'm just as good as anybody. I said, I'm as good as you are. Your soul will always testify to the word of God. If it's born again, she thought she was right. Now, see what the I know y'all getting tired. Y'all hang on with me just a little bit. I'm battling it out, but I got a message delivered. So hang with me just a few more minutes. That's what the devil will do is he'll 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 make you think that you're right when you're not right. That's the trick of the devil to cloak you over and make you think you're right when you're not. And Brother Ram would say, he said, you say, well, I know, I believe I'm right. And you think you're right because of an intellectual understanding where you just look at, you, you like being at church, you like, but there's something, you're still struggling. There's not supposed to be any struggle. I, I, was, re- I was looking at that quote of Muhammad Ali where he said, I don't always know what I'm talking about, but I know I'm right. Now, what a strange thing for somebody to say. <laughs> I don't always know what I'm talking about, but I know I'm right. And that's the trick, that the, de- the trap that the devil puts on people to say, I-, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I know I'm right. What a strange thing for somebody to say. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but I know I'm right. But it, it doesn't make sense. But that's how, that's how you'll see people that are trapped in sin. I don't know how to get out. I don't know. I don't know. 
But I don't know, but I know I'm right. I, I, I know I'm right. And Brother Ram would say, today people say, oh, that was in the day past. He said, that the first thing you know, your soul will go away from you. It'll become so culturized out there with the rest of the cults and things. Till you'll think you're right. Till you'll think you're right. Until death stares you in the face. And it'll be a different picture. But when your experience agrees with this Bible and says every word is true. I, I wonder this afternoon, as we're, as we're closing in just a moment. Can you, can you identify your experience with the wilderness journey? Can you identify your experience with, with the, all, all these things that we're talking about? Street, three stages of the journey going through justification and sanctification and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because if you can identify your experience, maybe the experience didn't happen. I'm trying to find a place to close here. He said the man that lives in there in that holy of holies has always got the victory. He's in the presence of God. He's always got victory. Always got victory. A man that ever fully surrenders his heart and life. Man, woman, boy, or girl who dares to take God at his word and says, God, sanely, I come to you and give me the new birth in my heart, Lord. Stand there under the bloody cross and believe it with all your heart. Something will come to you, brother, that God will shut you away and the world will become dead and all the things that pertain to the world will be dead. Now, to think about that promise as we're closing here, the musicians can go ahead and come forward. To think that he would say, if you just look, look at the promise of God sanely. Maybe, maybe this afternoon you've got a lot of struggles in your life. Struggles that you want God to take away. Struggles that you want God to be able to handle. That you want to just put all of it over on him. That, that there's a promise. That Brother Bram said, if, God, if you say, God, sanely, I come to you. And give me the new birth in my heart. And stand there under the bloody cross and believe it with all your heart. Something will come to you, brother. Oh, to think about, you know, you're coming to church. It's just like, just like at a wedding, where you're coming to church, and the minister's at the pulpit, and the minister's Christ is there, and a woman's there. If you just say, "I do," the minister's preaching the gospel, and all you got to do is believe, believe, and something will happen. Let's stand to our feet and just worship the Lord. Shine on me, Lord, shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. Oh, shine on me, Lord, shine.
shine on me to be like Jesus to be like Jesus to be like Jesus on earth I long to Through life. 
To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, my Lord, my Lord, to be like I owe my life. 
presence here this afternoon. So grateful, Lord, for complete rest in you, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, for all the many blessings that you've given us here this afternoon, Lord. Thank you for the word that you brought to us this morning and this afternoon. I pray, God, that your blessings would go with the people as they go their different ways, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here, Lord, that's not entered into your rest yet, I pray, Lord, that you'll just keep pricking their heart like you did, Paul. Keep pricking them. Don't give them any rest, Lord Jesus until they enter into your rest. Pray, Lord, that you'll just poke them and prod them, Lord God. On the way home, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll poke them, Lord, and cause them to wish that they had wish that they had surrendered here, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll just keep after them, Lord God, if there's anyone here that hasn't entered into your rest. May my words this afternoon and Louisa's this morning echo in their hearts all week long, Lord God. I will not give them any, any, any place of escape, Lord God until they come to a place where they know till they know you Lord we ask your blessing upon the people now as they go their different ways Lord thank you Lord Amen God bless you you're dismissed